Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. We've been going through this series on the five senses, and today we're going to talk about the fourth one, which is smell. Um, I, the, the first thing whenever I think about smell right now is the twins. And that's not near as bad as what it sounds like. Um, when I think about the twins and smell, I think about every morning when we have to take them over to preschool over in Northwood. And if any of you ever have to take that trip or live in Northwood or go around Northwood, especially in the morning, and the cooler it gets, the worse it gets. When you make that curve at the landfill, the sulfur smell will knock you out. I mean, it is just strong. And the twins, every morning, this is our routine. Lincoln will say, what's that smell? And McKinley, because we've talked about it so much ago, it's the landfill. And Lincoln will say, is that where they throw the trash outside? And McKinley will go, yes. And Lincoln will go, well, why do they do that if it smells? And, if it, and I have to explain to them, because if you don't throw it outside, your house is going to smell like that. And she says, you mean like Bubba? And I was like, come on, Lincoln. I'm sorry, Timmy, I couldn't leave that one out. <laughs> but uh, no, they, we have that conversation because that, that smell, you can't miss it. And there's even times now when we're driving someplace else, we drove past someplace and the poor skunk had met his maker. And um, Lincoln said, is this a landfill too? And I'm like, no, Lincoln, it's not a landfill. That's a skunk. And she said, well, what did the skunk do? And um, she insinuated that it might have passed gas. And I said, well, kind of. Except not really, but, but kind of. But the, the, the smells to a three-year-old, you can just see their imagination going wild. You can just see they're trying to figure out what it is and what's, what's making that smell and, and where it's coming from. And um, even yesterday, McKinley was up in my lap and I was holding her and, and um, I was perfectly fine. So I'm gonna talk about myself now, Timmy, okay? You can't feel bad. And Lincoln, or McKinley laid up on my shoulder and she went, Daddy, did you take a shower today? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm good. And she was like, something's not good. <laughs> so I'm like, you just need to go play. Leave me alone. Smells are hard to miss. Okay, They're hard to miss. It's something that sticks to you. It's something that you can't get away from. I'm reminded of a time when Timmy, I'm, I seem like I'm picking on Timmy, when he was in the seventh grade, and we had basketball practice over in Northwood. And I walked through by the locker room, and one of them opened the door, and this fog came out of the locker room, and it was Axe body spray. And if there were 20 of them in here, in there, they both had a can in each hand, and were just spraying it all over the place. So we needed a dense fog advisory to get out of the gym. But what does Axe body spray do? It's a great product. It smells, but it's trying to cover up the stink that you have on you. Is that not right? It doesn't clean you. It doesn't make you smell better. It covers the smell that you have on your body. That's all it's doing. It's a cover-up. It's a mask. It's a fake. It's trying to make people believe you just didn't leave first period basketball practice without showering. 
That's what it's trying to do. And I promise you, none of them seventh graders showered. Most of them probably didn't shower that night either. And they come up the next morning and practice and Axe Body Spray. They kept the empire in business. I almost bought stock in Axe Body Spray that day when I walked by that locker room. Because as long as there's seventh graders, there's going to be people that stink. It happens. It happens, but smell impacts us in many ways. In many ways. You know, I've talked about bad smells all morning, but we all have that one smell that if we smell it, it takes us home. You ever been in somebody's house and you have they, their house has a smell and it's usually a good smell and when you go back or you might walk past them and you can smell that scent on them and you know who's close to you because they have their house has that smell um i love the smell of fresh baked bread which is full of carbs <laughs> oh it's good it's good i love the smell of barbecue smoking amen <coughs> hungry, you know I love in springtime when you can go out in your yard and you can smell the honeysuckle. That's home. I love that smell. We all have that one smell that reminds us. It might be a memory of when you were a kid, but when you smell it, it takes you back to your granny's house. Or it takes you back to when you were a kid. There's some smell that has stuck with you for years that you remember. For us adults, it might be a food. It might be a, a certain... I don't know. Smell. I don't know. It, it, it's something, but there's something that... That's uh, back there messing with the sound. I didn't touch it. That's all again. There we go. Maybe we'll come back on here in a second. But anyways, we're going to keep going. I'm not talk loud. How about that? Uh, but there's something that brings you back home. There's something that brings you back to where you were. And it brings back those memories of where you are. I know when my FCA days, I can't walk into a, every locker room smells the same. Doesn't matter what city you're in, it has this smell. And you know you're in a locker room. Everywhere you go has a certain smell. I remember when I was a kid driving into Camden in the old paper mill. You never forget that smell. You knew you were in Camden when you were driving down the highway and hit that paper mill smell. There's things that you can remember. Last night, Sydney came out of her room. It was either last night or the night before. She came out of her room and Heather had got a, a, a candle wax melted thing, whatever those are called. And she had it going in the house, and it smelled really good. And I don't know what flavor it was or whatever you call it. But Sydney walked out of the room and said, it smells like Christmas. We label things based off of how it smells. And you have something that brings you home. Now, why is smell so important? Well, the thing about smell, it's important because God smells. It smells us. The Bible is full of references about aromas and how they're pleasing 
to God. So how we smell as individuals is just as important to God because He loves our aroma that we put off. The question is, is what aroma are we putting off? Do we smell good to God or do we stink and He wants to turn His nose up at us? That's the question. That's the question that we look at right now. Like I said, the Bible's full of references of aroma. Okay? Now, the Bible also tells us that our prayers and our praises are like a sweet fragrance to Him. That smell that takes you back home that means so much to you is what God smells when we're praising and worshiping Him and praying to Him. So as good as that smells to you and as much as that takes you back home, it takes God back home as well because He loves that smell. How hey, Think about this. How important was the fragrances, the aromas of God when He gave the instructions to the Old Testament people of the temple? In the first room you walked in and there was a, it was curtain and near the curtain where you walked in to the to the room where only the important people, the priests could walk into. Not everybody could go into there. But you would take your prayers in and then the priests would go in to the sacred room and at the curtain entering that room, He ordered in the process of the temple being built for there to be incense burned at those curtains where you walked in, where the priests would walk in. Because as they walked in, and as they opened those curtains, the incense represented the prayers that were going up to God. How important the smell to Him? He instructed, He ordered that something that smelled good be placed in the temple. If that doesn't tell you how important it is, I'm gonna. I, I don't have a prayer today of getting this point across. The aromas that we put out. What we put out is important to God because He sees who we are on the inside. He sees who we are on the inside. When you cook something, when you're dealing with something, when it smells good, it's what's coming from the inside that makes that smell. When you smell a flower, it's all the reactions on the inside that are coming out that you smell. Because it's a lie. Don't believe me? Go try to smell a dead rose. It's not going to smell. You're not going to get the pleasure you get from smelling a, a alive rose. You're just not. And it's the same thing with us. If we're dead, if we're not doing anything, if we're not putting out the aromas that we're supposed to be putting out, God doesn't get that from us. So we have to look and decide what are we putting out? Are we alive? Are we not? Now, here's the thing. And this is where we're getting to the main point here. Our sin, in a spiritual sense, makes us stink. Okay? How bad you stink depends on how much you sin. The more you sin, the further you are away from God, the more that aroma is not going to be pleasing. You're going to be like driving by a landfill. And as a Christian, I can't think of a worse witness than walking by somebody and then knowing what's going on in my life and saying, He stinks in a spiritual sense. That's not what they would say. 
That's not what they would say, but that's what they would mean. They know if I'm not living right, what's going on in my life and what I'm doing and what I should be doing. And in fact, I'm not doing that and they're not doing what I shouldn't be doing. And they're going to see that sin in my life and they're going to realize, hey, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Spiritually, I'm giving off an odor that we don't want to give off. But when you walk by somebody doing the right things and doing the things you're supposed to do, people notice and they realize the odor that you give off is something that smells great. They see something in you that's different and they wonder what's different about you. What kind of soap are you using? I'm I'm using the soap that God gave us in my spiritual life. Now, here's the thing, and this is where a lot of us get caught up. We sin, which makes us stink, and we think we can hide it with some spiritual axe body spray. Those seventh graders in that locker room for about 15 minutes smelled okay. But when they got far enough away from that fog, reality came back. And that mask that they put on wore off. And the smell was still there. In our lives, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, and we try to hide it, our sin is making us stink. And the only thing that we're doing is spraying some Axe body spray to try to cover it, to make everything look and smell like it's okay. But in reality, we're trying to hide the fact that we're not doing what God told us to do. And all it is, is a mask. And people wonder why we can't trust church people. People wonder why it's church people that end up being the biggest example. I saw in the news yesterday, I believe it was, where they had this big uh, child trafficking uh, bust in, I think it was either Indiana or somewhere in there, and one of the people that was arrested was a youth pastor that showed up at a house because he had contacted a police officer online to have sex with a kid. And he didn't realize it was a police officer. He showed up to the house and got arrested. He was a youth pastor. I don't mean to cast judgment on him, but I'm telling you, he had a mask in his life and he was trying to cover with Axe body spray the sin that was in his life. And I pray that he gets that corrected. I pray that he repents and turns the other way because he's learned a very difficult lesson right now. But before I look down my nose at him, I have to understand the sins that are in my life as well. As bad as that is, as bad as that is, and we think we would never be involved in that, I'm sure there was a time he told himself that too. And if you let sin get in touch with you, get a hold of your life, you lose control. Because rather than admitting you've done wrong, you try to cover it up. And when you try to cover it up, it keeps rolling and growing and building. 
and eventually the smell is so strong you can't cover it up. You can't hide it. You can't get away from it. It covers you. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we can't fool God's sense of smell. We can't. And we try. We try. You might be sitting there saying, not me, but you just try. We try to fool God's sense of smell and we can't. It's just not possible. So, if sin makes us smell, if we can't cover it up with Axe body spray, and we can't fool God and His sense of smell, the question is, is how do we get the stench of sin off of us? That's the question. It's there. We were born with a simple nature. We were. It's not something that we've taken on ourselves. We were born with it. So we born, we were born stinking. Just to be honest with you. So how do we get that off? The Bible gives us clear instructions. It tells us what to do. If you look in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it'll also be up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2 says this. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. How do you get the state off of you? Imitate Christ. There's kind of been a running theme in these sermons. It's literally that simple. How do you want, if you want the stink of sin off of you, how do you do it? You imitate Christ. You might say, well, I'm not perfect like He was. Well, neither am I. Neither am I. You look at comedians or someone who do voice impersonations of other people, and they sound really good. The thing is, is they're not perfect but they can fool you. They can make you think it's that person because they're imitating them. It's not a perfect rendition. If it was, they would be that person. But they can get as close as possible to make it look like and sound like they are that person. I'm not perfect. I can't be Jesus. I can't be the perfect person. I won't be. There's no possible way. He was the only one that was perfect. But I can do everything in my power to try to be as perfect as I can be just like Him. Will there be times I fail? Yes. Will there be times that I just completely blow it? Yes. But the key is, is do I just, because I fail, do I just fall apart? Or do I pick myself up and I go forward starting over to imitate Christ? It says in the verse, He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. You could take the last half of verse 1, the first, well actually the last three quarters of verse 1, the last, the first three quarters of verse 2, and just take those parts out and just say, imitate God. It's a pleasing aroma to God. 
the stuff in the middle is important. I'm not saying it doesn't need to be there, but it's filler. It's filler. The main points in that are imitate God, imitate Jesus. It's a pleasing aroma to God. There's your instructions. That's the what you need to do. That answers the question of what. Now, God's so much better than that. He just doesn't give us the what to do. He tells us how to do it. And if you look at the next few verses, this is where He gives us the instructions. Verses 3 through 8. Verse 3 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. Boy, he's hitting home really quick right there, isn't he? Yeah. Really quick. How do you want to imitate God? Take these out of your life. We've talked about it before. How we speak around other people is one of the biggest witnesses we have. How we speak. We were talking to one of the older kids the other day and said, if Jesus was standing behind you looking over your shoulder, would you want them to hear the conversation that's going on? Would you want him to hear that conversation? And the answer was no. Then why would you do it? It's that simple. It's that simple. Because whether you can see or feel Jesus right behind you looking over your shoulder doesn't change the fact that He's right there looking over your shoulder. So how you communicate, what you watch, what you do, what you say, how you live. If you're hiding that and thinking it's okay because I'm at my house or I'm where I'm at work and it doesn't matter, then you're just covering yourself with Axe body spray trying to hide the sin that's in your life. You're putting on a mask. I've seen stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. Good. Guilty. Guilty. Not happy to admit that, but I'd be lying through my teeth if I said all that. Simple communication makes a huge difference in your witness and the smell that you put off to God. Verses 5 and 6. It keeps going. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Boy, that's a warning. Because really what that's telling us is if we hang out and we buy in to the people who were covered in Acts body spray, then we're being fooled by them. And we put ourselves in position for the anger of God to follow them up. I used to tell my teams, and I told you this before, you've heard this. I used to tell my teams all the time to be careful who they hang around with. Who 
who your friends are matter. Who you hang out with matters. Because if you swim in the sewer long enough, you're eventually going to start smelling like the sewer. For sure. You can't fully escape the environment you put yourself in. You just can't. The only way you can escape that environment you have yourself in is to remove yourself from that environment. Because as long as you're in that environment, you're there. And the stink of that environment is going to rub off on you and stay with you. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. You know what that means? Is when you tell one of those poor jokes and somebody says, hey, that was probably a little bit rough. And you say, oh, it was just a joke. You're trying to excuse that sin. If you say that, somebody says a joke to you and you're like, man, I don't need to hear that joke. And they're like, oh, it's just a joke. Don't be fooled by that. Don't be fooled by that. That's what the Bible's saying right here. Because if you leave, or if you were fooled by that and you stay with that, then you're disobeying God. Don't be fooled. Said it before. I'm repeating a bunch of stuff this morning, but it's true. If you have to justify your actions, you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Because if you do the right thing, you don't have to justify it. Teenagers, what does that mean? When your dad or your mom says, why did you do this? And you have an excuse, you're justifying it. You shouldn't have done it in the first place. It doesn't matter how good the excuse is. You want me to tell you why? Because excuses are lies. Think about it. If you have an excuse for something, you're not telling the whole truth. You're telling maybe 95% truth, but you're not telling the whole truth if you have an excuse for something. If you have a reason for something, you're telling the truth. But an excuse is something that you're making up to cover what you did. Does that make sense? Excuses are lies. Reasons are the truth. So if you have to justify something with an excuse, you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Now I said that to teenagers because I know that no teenagers are the kings and queens of excuses. But who did they learn it from? The adults who taught them how. Whatever my daughter just said, she'll pay for that. <laughs> the thing that aggravates me most as, the dad, as a dad is when I get mad at Timmy or Sydney for doing something, it frustrates me because I know they're doing something I've done before. And it really makes me mad when I know they learned that from me. Lincoln McKinley act up and I get mad at them, they learn that from the mom. <laughs> but I have to take credit for Timmy and City. Because when they try to justify things, 
I know they've done something they shouldn't have done. Don't be fooled by people who try to excuse their sin. Because in that doing that, you're disobeying God. The last two verses here, verse 7 and 8, it's pretty cut and dry. It's this simple. Don't participate in the things these people do. I don't know how it could be more simple than that. Do not participate in the things these people do. If you're swimming in the sewer, get out. If you're making excuses for things, stop. If you're covering yourself with spiritual body spray to mask the sins you have, then throw the can away and fall on your knees and ask God for His help. Because if you could do it by yourself, you would have already done it. You can't do it. You have to have the help of God. Don't participate in the things these people do. Verse 8, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Before you were saved, you lived in darkness. Once you accept Christ, you have His light inside of you. And that light is what goes out. And when we sin, the sins cover our body and it's like putting a shade over the light of Jesus that goes out and shares with others. So we have to make sure that our light is what is shining. The twins came home the other day singing this little light of mine. And that's the only line they know is this little light of mine. And they can sing it 46 times in a row. That one line. And it's so precious the first 20 times. But one day they're going to understand the importance of that light that's in them. And how they don't want to hide it under a bushel. They're going to let it shine. Sometimes we can get the biggest life lessons out of kids' songs. Out of songs we teach our kids. We're children of the light. Our sin is what can cover that light up. Cleaning ourselves. Imitating Jesus. Doing the things that He wants us to do. Following the instructions that He's given us. He knocks that old sin off. And as that sin falls off of us, the aroma of our heart Jesus in our lives starts going up. And we start praying. And we start praising. And we start living our lives right. We avoid the situations that we don't need to avoid. We are a witness to the people we need to be a witness to. And that aroma goes up to God and He takes a big sniff. And it's so pleasing to Him. It takes Him home. It takes Him home. Somebody might ask, you're saying get away from situations that I don't need to be in, but you're telling me to witness to them at the same time. So how can I get away and how can I witness? If you're getting away for the right reason, leaving that situation is a witness. Because they know why, exactly right. But the best case scenario is if they ask you why then you get to tell them. And you get to confirm what they already know in their heart. Because a lot of times nothing hits you harder in the mouth than reality. 
And when you have somebody that you think is a great friend that distances, distances themselves from you, that's reality. And if they know your heart, they know what you're about, then you're being a witness because you're, you're making change for the betterment of your life. And then if they ask you, you get to explain to them why. How much bigger of a witness can you be? Because if you're staying in that situation and you talk to them about Jesus, what ground do you have to stand on? You can't be in the middle of robbing a bank and tell the other guy that's with you how great Jesus is and how He wants to save your sins while you're holding up a bank. It just doesn't make sense. That's an extreme example, but it makes sense. You remove yourself from that situation and it becomes a living. As we close here this morning, you know, the smell that we put off is so important. I'm trying to think of a careful way to say this, and I've been thinking about this for a few days now because I don't want to be offensive and I don't want to be cruel. But I, I just got to say it like this. As a former teacher, I would have classes that when that class left, I would have to go through my room with Lysol spray and spray the room down because it smelled so bad. Because students who were in that class either couldn't, didn't, take care of themselves. And there was just an odor. And you literally would have to spray the room down to get the smell out of your room. But in reality, you were just masking it until it left. And it was bad. It wasn't pleasant. But I knew it didn't take long to figure out which kids it was. Sadly, it didn't. But I knew those students that were causing that had needs. There was some type of need that wasn't being met. Whether it was family, whether it was intentional, whether it was them, they had a need that wasn't being met. When we have our aromas that go up to God, and they're not pleasing. We have a need that needs to be met. And you can't mask it. You can't cover it up. Because it's going to come back the next day. It didn't matter how much cleaner I put in my room the next day when that dust came in, the same thing happened again. And the only way it was going to change was that that student's needs were met. In our lives, if our aroma is not pleasing to God, we have a need that needs to be met. And it's not going to change until we allow God to meet that need.
what means do you have today that you hope or you want or you need God to meet? It might be a sin that you just can't shake because you tried and tried and tried to shake it and you can't. You might be in the perfect place this morning sitting in church, but you know tomorrow you're going to be hanging around with people you don't need to be hanging around with. And it might be at work. And you need that paycheck. I get it. I get it. But I'm telling you that paycheck is not worth losing your witness. You can work and keep that paycheck and still do the right things. If it's as simple as eating lunch in your truck rather than around the table with the boys. Why? Because they're going to ask you, why did you eat in your truck? And then you get to tell them. I'm not telling anybody to go put your job tomorrow. That's not what I'm doing. Okay? But I'm telling you, there are things you can do. Teenagers over here like that, I ain't going to school tomorrow. There's a bunch of bad kids. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's no excuse, which is a lie, to keep swimming in the suit. That's what I'm saying. Is there a sewer that you're eating and you need to get out of? Is there a sin that's blocking the light coming out from you? Do you feel like you're driving by a landfill every day? If so, it's time to get that trash on the outside. And let God fill you up on the inside. Jonathan comes to play. We're going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you all to stand. If there's a decision that you have today, please come forward. Let God have it. He wants to smell that sweet aroma of us praying and praising Him. He wants to smell that sweet aroma of our life and us just doing the things that we're supposed to do. He gave us the instructions. They're laid out in the Bible. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads, South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.